Hello, everybody. Josh Brown here, back for another great episode on Franchise Euphoria. Well, today's episode is brought to you by IndieFranchiseLaw.com, a leading resource in the franchise space to help you if you're considering buying a franchise, turning your business into a franchise, or growing your business through a licensing or franchise structure. So go on, check it out, IndieFranchiseLaw.com. I think you'll find a lot of valuable and free information as you continue to kind of weigh franchising and licensing and the growth of your business. Without further ado, I hope you enjoy today's episode. On today's episode of Franchise Euphoria, I've got Tom Gledhill. Tom has founded, built, and sold four companies during his career as a business owner. He is an M&A advisor and the author of How to Sell Your Company and Not Leave Money on the Table. That's certainly something we're all interested in. Tom has been in the trenches founding, building, and eventually selling his small businesses over the years. He understands a business owner's day-to-day stress, satisfying customers and staff, meeting payroll, and concern about future sales. He's combined his experience from building and selling his companies and helping many other business owners sell their companies to develop the Exit Pro System. That's X, the letter, IT Pro System, Exit Pro System, to help business owners increase the value of their company, make more money, hopefully, and make their business more saleable. So, Without further ado, I hope you enjoy this interview with Tom. Hi, Tom. Welcome to Franchise Euphoria. How are you doing? I'm doing well, Josh. Thanks for inviting me. Well, I'm happy to talk with you. You have an expertise in advising people on how uh, to sell their businesses for the highest value, essentially. I mean, you got a book, How to Sell Your Company and Not Leave Money on the Table. And um, uh, you've also got a background in franchising specifically. So I'm looking forward to diving into to all of that. But before we dive into the specifics, um, introduce yourself to the audience. Okay. I've been a small business person uh, most of my career, Josh. Uh, I started out in sales and sales management, worked in the corporate world for maybe five years. Uh, part of that was with a consulting company, um, and I was in the healthcare area. I started four businesses, and my first three businesses were fairly small, and I sold them to uh, vendors and and suppliers and people that I knew, really. Uh, Then I started a software company, and I ran that for a number of years, and it was was pretty successful. Uh, We had offices all over New England and New York and New Jersey, and uh, when I sold that, I was really looking for something to do, and uh, I got tired of following my wife around supermarkets, pushing the cart, <laughs> and so I looked in, I wanted to buy a franchise, so I, uh, I looked for things I knew, and uh, I found something about uh, uh, fitness, so I said, well, I've been, you know, I've had a g- gone to the gym all my life, and I've got a, a fitness uh shop in my house. So I know a little bit about that. So I looked uh, and I I examined this particular company and I called my lawyer and uh, he said, well, he said, "Uh, I know a good franchise lawyer. And uh, so I called her 
and gave her all the information. And she looked at it and uh, she called me a couple of days later and she said, you know, I wouldn't do it. And I said, why not? And she said, well, they're making all their money off food that they sell to you. And they're not making a lot of money on their commissions, on their fees. And in fact, they, they seem to be losing money on that. So, um, but anyway, I, was, I had just sold my company and uh, I had done well and I was a little cocky. And I thought, you know. So you knew I, better, right, Tom? You knew better. I knew, I knew better. <laughs> Absolutely. And so I know I, I can make anything work. Well, and my wife said, don't do it. And whenever she does that, you know, I know it's from female intuition, but I said, why? And she said, because it, it, this uh, fitness shop was for women. She says, because you don't understand women. <laughs> and, and guess what? I did not understand women. And uh, it, I sold it a couple of years. I ran it for a couple of years and lost money on it and, uh, and sold it. Um, but that was just, you know, that was my fault right from the beginning. I didn't listen to an expert. But is that franchise company still around? I mean, is it a franchise company that you bought still around in terms of that franchisor? You know, I looked about a year ago and it still was. I couldn't believe it because everybody was losing money and people were bailing. So I don't know if they, you know, if they fixed the problem or, or what, but uh, maybe it was just a hangover website, you know, because I just, I really didn't uh, dig into it. I didn't have the time nor the interest. So I'm curious because I, before we, we move on to the next thing, tell me, and again, you don't have to name the franchise, obviously, but I think it's instructive for people who are contemplating purchasing a franchise or who are in the midst of this right now. I mean, what were the two or three things that you felt like were wrong with that system that had they been different, you could have you could have been successful in, in it? Well, shortly after I, I bought this, um, probably a year later, uh, Curves came out. And you're probably very familiar with curves. Sure. The, the problem, the problem as I see it with, with these kinds of franchises, Josh, is that they have a, a relatively small window of success. There was one years ago, this was back maybe in the 70s, and I think it was a woman's name, I think Elaine Martin or something like that. And they were very popular for three or four years, and then all of a sudden they disappeared. And... I, I don't I'm not sure about curves. Are they still viable? They're still around. I I I don't know how they're doing. I mean, I, I get the sense that they're not um they're not as big as they used to be, but I, I, I'm not basing that off of any kind of factual data. I also know that you know, because I happen to do a lot of work in 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 the fitness space in franchising. Um, and I know that the competition is just so much greater now. I mean, there are so many different uh, fitness concepts out there and with, you know, Pilates and yoga and all the different kinds of uh, fitness opportunities. Um, there's just a lot more competition than there used to be years ago. Yeah, this particular franchise, uh, you, you know, you asked a question, what was wrong? Um I think the initial capital investment was too much. Number one, uh, there was a bunch of equipment you had to buy, and uh, it wasn't simple equipment. It was a, a you know electrical, and it broke down. Um, 
They also did dieting. You had to hire and you know somebody to do your nutrition. Uh, it was a weight loss, basically. Uh, okay. It was weight loss that that incorporated exercise. So the uh, you needed probably uh, three or four uh, key employees. Um, plus the equipment, plus the initial capital investment. And then you uh, pretty much, oh, you had to do your own advertising. Um, and their advertising videos that they had uh, were not good. Uh, a lot of people were changing them and investing in making new videos for advertising. So um, there were a bunch of things, and some were small that I can't remember. But I do know that the expenses uh, exceeded the income. So that's never a good thing. So from that experience, okay. So from that experience, you got out of it. Then did you go into another franchise system? I did, but it wasn't immediate. Uh, what I did was a friend approached me and said, you know, with your background, you know, you, you should do mergers and acquisitions. And um, so I did. I started that and. I um, I met a fellow at a at a meeting uh, in Dallas, and uh, he said uh, we got to talking, and he said, you know, anytime I was I was doing it solo at the time, my M and A, and he said anytime you have any questions or anything, give me a call. So he kind of became my mentor, and about five years later, uh, I got a call from him, and he said, Tom, he said I'm ta- he had a great model, a great business model for his. Uh, for his uh, M&A, for his business brokerage. And uh, he said, I'm starting a, a, um, a franchise. I'm going to be a franchisor. And uh, he said, I've already sold five territories. And he said, how would you like the New England territory? And so I became a master franchiser. Okay. And it was my job to recruit franchisees and after they received training from the franchisor, then they would come back to the territory and to get started, and I would help them wherever they needed help. And we would hold monthly meetings and, you know, go around and have case studies that, you know. Well, what type of business was this, though? What type of, what type of franchise was this? Business brokerage. Okay. Yeah, business brokerage. And uh, we built it up. Uh, so we had, I think we had eight franchisees in the area, and we were doing very well. And it turned out that at that time, my, my wife got sick, and I got to the point where I had to sell uh, my interest uh, to take care of my wife. But this particular franchise did, did very well. And uh, since I knew the, you know, the franchisor, he was my mentor. Um, it went very well. And we had a lot of discussions about various things. And if I would come up with an idea that, you know, he would, uh, he would think about implementing it. He didn't implement everything because his main focus was really selling regions and selling franchises. Um, so yeah, that went very well. I was very, I was pleased with that. They brought a lot to the table. Uh, unfortunately, one thing they did not bring to the table in the New England area was the brand. And so we had to create the brand here in, in, in New England. 
and uh, we did we did a pretty good job at it. But certainly, you know, that brand uh, would have increased the the cost of everything dramatically. You know, if you're buying a McDonald's or a Dunkin' Donuts or something like that, you're paying a big chunk for the brand, right? Now, were you able? I mean, I'm sorry to hear about uh, the health issues with your wife. Was it easy for you at that point to get out of the franchise in terms of the logistics to to sell? No, because I had a partner, and uh, I brought a partner on early on, and I just sold it to him. Oh, okay. So that worked out pretty easily. But it changed my career because when I had to, I had to stay home with my wife first just to make sure she was okay. And so I started doing a lot of writing and uh, I wrote a lot of articles for uh, LinkedIn and uh, started thinking about the problem with uh, small businesses. When I first got involved, uh, I had heard and read that only one in four small businesses that go to market actually sell. And that, I, I thought I had misheard it. You know, I thought it was one in four didn't sell, uh, sold. I'm sorry, yeah. didn't, did it not didn't sell. sell. It didn't sell, yeah. Yeah, I thought it was the other way around, that one that only one did not sell. But it, it found I found out it was true after talking to hundreds of business owners. It was true. And a lot of these business owners needed to sell. There's something we call the dreadful D's, death, disability, divorce, debt. You know, they had to because of some external uh, problem. They had to sell their business and, and they couldn't. So it was it was really emotional for me. And I started thinking about how I could help these people. And uh, but I had to help a lot of people. And that the problem is, too, they're not aware of the problem. So. When my wife uh, got, in fact, she got ill to the point where I had to put her in a nursing home. Then I, I had, you know, a lot of time to, to get out into the world, and I, I decided. And then she passed away two years later. So I'm sorry to hear about that, Tom. Thank you. Um, but I, you know, I had a, it was kind of a fork in the road for me. You know, what do I do? Do I grieve for the rest of my life, or do I, do I get going? You know, like they said in uh, Shawshank. Redemption. I don't know if you saw that movie, but uh, he says, "Get busy living or get busy dying." You know. Yeah. So, so I decided to get busy living. So I decided that my mission would be to make small business people aware of the problem that they may be facing and to do something about it, and to, va- to provide a a fairly simple methodology. For them to fix the problem themselves, because these small businesses, Josh, are probably not going to hire a consultant that will charge them thousands of dollars. And I know how much it costs because I provided that service to about half a dozen of my clients, and I charged them between five and ten thousand dollars to do it. So, um, and they're not going to they're not going to do it. So I've come up with a. I wrote the book. Uh, called uh, Exit Pro Systems, and I developed an online course to help these small business owners, you know, determine what what's wrong with their uh, company, why business buyers don't want them, and what business buyers are looking for, and to help them fix, come up with a plan to fix those problem areas within the company to make them appealing to business buyers. So that's kind of uh, my mission 
right now, and I intend to do that and until I can't do it anymore. Well, it's fascinating. So, and and it's just for the audience. Exit Pros is is literally the letter X, I T, P R O S dot com. And so, when you go you go to if you go to exitpros dot com and you click on course, okay, it kind of takes you through you know what you're going to be providing and so forth. Tell let's let's talk about this course, and you've kind of given a great um, background on it. But but if I'm a if I'm a franchise owner, even mm-hmm. if I'm a, even if I'm a franchisor, you know, or if I'm a franchisee, either one, at some point in time, you're looking at an exit strategy, and of course, yeah. you're going to be asking yourself, okay, what can I get for this? How much is it worth? So, can you walk through your your program and and sort of how how you kind of help them figure that out and help identify and fix things and and set it up so that they can get the the most value that they can. Sure. The first thing I have, Josh, is sort of, um, sort of what we call a lead magnet, and it's a, wor- a free workshop. And it lead the course is more much more in depth than workshop, obviously. But um, but basically, I start out the course by teaching them the basics of business valuation. And valuation, the valuation algorithm at that level, at the small business level, is pretty simple. You know, it's really uh, value uh, equals the cash flow, the income, divided by the risk. Now, people are probably familiar. A lot of people are probably familiar with the multiplier. The multiplier is just the inverse of the risk because the risk is a percentage. And it's called, we call it the capitalization rate. And the capitalization rate basically is, definition of that is the amount of return, the interest return uh, is equal to the, um, to get a, an investor or a business owner to invest in a particular financial vehicle or business. So if you look at some that you're already familiar with, you take a treasury bond, you know, between 3 and 6%, very low risk and very low return. And as you go up, you know, your stock market is between 8 and 12%, and that's kind of a medium risk and a medium return. When you get up to small businesses, the return that is required is somewhere between 25 and 50%. So because it's high risk and it's not liquid. Yeah. So the risk is what my course focuses on because the income is simple to, I mean, it is what it is. And you just go to the financial statement, you get the net operating income, and you add back any interest, taxes, um, depreciation, or amortization. That's called EBITDA, earnings earnings before interest, taxes, interest, and uh, depreciation and amortization. And... Uh, so that becomes your your numerator or the income, and the R or the risk is comprised of various functional areas within your company. We call them value drivers, and the value drivers are things like the industry you're in, your company's reputation and brand, the competition, things like uh, cash flow, which is very important. Your growth is important. The systems that you have incredibly important. 
And those are the kind of the value drivers. And you have a series of value drivers that I call the big hitter value drivers, things like scalability, uh, recurring revenues, bankability, intellectual property. Those are the things that can add a premium to your value. So the first thing in the course is to, is to really educate the business owner on the basics of business valuation. That's a real, a simple equation. Uh, then we get into the value drivers. You know, what are they? These I've identified 16 value drivers for a small company. And I mentioned some of them. And uh, I give them a chance to, they can rate these various value drivers. And once they rate these value drivers, they've come up with what, what we call a capitalization rate. So what I, what I have in the course, I have them take the, match them with the, the buyer types. And we talk about what the buyer types are and what they're looking for in an acquisition. And then they choose a buyer type that they, that they either align with or they would want to align with. And then they choose three of the value drivers that these buyer types are looking for to improve. Now, there might be more than three, but I suggest just three to begin with. And then I've developed some uh, documents for them to develop a plan and also an Excel spreadsheet to have them monitor that plan over a two to three year period. So that basically is the course. Now, are you are you seeing in terms of, you know, as you're working with these small businesses and, and there's a lot of different types, right? I mean, there's service-based businesses, there's um, businesses where obviously there's a product component to them. I mean, do you see trends in terms of what would tend to get a higher return versus versus others? Because I know sometimes there's you can identify trends in the various markets. Are, are you seeing any of those or is it just so fact-specific to each business? No, absolutely. It, it, it really depends on the industry they're in. Um, if you're right now the software industry, especially if you have a product that has anything to do with compliance, those, those things are red hot right now. Software, software alone is, is, is hot. And then you tack compliance onto it and it, it's a red hot market. It's um, typically businesses will sell, your average business will sell for a multiple of earnings. But in the software business right now, the industry, it's selling for a multiple of revenue. So it depends on the, on the industry. Um, but you can, and it, this is in my course too, and I talk about the, uh, the ability to switch industries by tweaking, sometimes just tweaking your product or service. But, it, you know, if you're in the – it depends on the, on the trend of the industry too, Josh. If you're in an industry that is trending downward, like the printing industry, for instance, uh, right now you have to be creative in the printing industry uh, unless you're in 3D printing. But uh, that has been trending down for, for a while. Then you've got industries that are trending up, like the healthcare industry. Um, then you have industries that are very sensitive to the financial situation, the economic situation. Like, uh, like healthcare is not really affected too much by, by the economic situation, but the but um, financial services 
is tremendously affected. Uh, the beta for that is very high. If the economic situation goes down, the financial industry goes down. If it goes up, the financial industry goes up. So the industry is a, is a huge driver of, of that. But the good news is that you can, you can change industries pretty easily. And I, had a, I had a client years ago who was in the um, machine shop business, and he had a job shop, like most did. And he was, this was back about 2001, and he was just about to go bankrupt when he found out about a, a proposal, uh, a request for proposal from a medical device company. And he, he uh, read the proposal, and he sent a uh, proposal in, and, uh, and he won. And he started, he shifted over to the medical device industry from the job shop industry. So, uh, so you, can, you can improve, you can change your product, you can change your service, and you can, you can change your industry by doing that. What would you say, just sort of in, in, in finishing up here in our remaining few minutes, I mean, when is a good time for a business owner, for a franchise owner to be thinking about their exit strategy? I mean, when's a good time for them to begin thinking about it and putting the planning pieces in place? Well, right from the beginning, <laughs> right from the very beginning, because, you know, if you're going to, what you want to do and what my course does, it really strengthens your foundation, these things that are really the foundation of the business. But they also don't want to put their uh, franchise on the market when they're doing poorly. You want to do it when you're doing well, when you're growing. The, diff the value difference will be enormous between the two, two extremes. You, but it's like, it's, it's like a, a stock. You know, your stock goes up and you always want to sell your stock right at the top, but it's pretty hard to do that. I mean, it's almost impossible to know when you're at the top and when it's about to start going down. So you've got to do it somewhere on the upward curve. And you'd like to do it more toward the top of the curve as you can. But you want to sell it when you're doing well. You know, I, what I like about what you're doing is that you have actual real-world experience in it. I mean, you've you've built companies, sold them. You've been a part of franchise systems and sold them. And so you really have a real-world practical uh, experience uh, as part of it. And so for anybody who wants to learn more or get connected with Tom – just go to exitpros.com, and that's the letter X, I-T-P-R-O-S.com, exitpros.com with the letter X, I-T-P-R-O-S.com. Thank you, Tom, for coming on for a few minutes here and, and sharing what you do. I, I second that it's so important at the outset of a franchise uh, or creation of a business uh, to really have an idea or at least be thinking about what your ideal exit is because so many factors that you put in place are going to have an impact. And it takes time to get those things in place and all working synergistically. So thank you for coming on and sharing a little bit about that. And I uh, wish you the best of luck in the future. Well, thanks for having me, Josh. I, I appreciate it. 
Thank you so much for tuning in for another episode of Franchise Euphoria. If you enjoyed this episode or have enjoyed the podcast in general, I would really appreciate it if you could go to iTunes and leave me a rating and review. It really helps to get this podcast out to more and more people. So the easy way to do it is go to iTunes and in the search box, put in Franchise Euphoria. You will then see my cover art and you click on my smiling face that says Franchise Euphoria and then click on the link that says Ratings and Reviews. It's that simple, but boy, oh boy, does it mean the world to me when people leave ratings and reviews. And like I said, it really helps get the show out there. Once again, would love it if you would go to iTunes and leave a rating and review if you enjoyed this episode or other episodes of the show. And until the next time, happy franchising.